welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Academy. Today I'm joined by Andy Bridge, a current deputy head teacher, and Debbie Davis, head teacher of an independent special school and experienced SENCO. We left you last week with insight into what great teaching and learning looks like for students with SEND. Today we will be concentrating on provision beyond the classroom, primarily what else we need to get right for our students with SEND. Although excellent classroom practice is fundamental in supporting students with SEND to make great progress, this alone isn't enough. On top of excellent teaching day in, day out, some students will need more targeted and specialist support. So welcome, Andy. Welcome, Debbie. Great to have you both here today with us. Andy, could you start by giving us some context here in terms of professionals working together to support students with SEND? Yeah, of course. So in terms of the code of practice um, that we are still working with, if we want to look in terms of professionals working together, we need to look at section three, which is called working together across education, health and care for joint outcomes. Um, And part of the introduction there states that um, the duties that local authorities and their partner commissioning bodies have in developing joint arrangement for commissioning services to improve outcomes for not 25 year olds with SEND. Um, It it sounds very self-explanatory, but Previously, um, prior to this um, code of practice, a lot of SEND work was done solely in schools or solely with medical professionals or solely with other professionals, and there wasn't necessarily that joined up working. Um, Whereas uh, I was discussing a student this week um, in the company of school SENCO, GP, speech and language therapist, and a representative from CAMS all around one table, ensuring that all aspects of their provision and their history and their needs um, across education, care, medical, will all contribute into that same discussion. And it is, it is time intensive and it's expensive, but it's so powerful if, if we can get that right. Yeah, that joined up sort of, of, of all the local services. It, might, it must be um, really powerful and, and actually make sure that we truly are supporting our students with SEND. This seems to make a lot of sense and and the whole drive behind the new framework is that a child or young person with SEND plus their family is now like the nucleus of the process and planning for the future. Debbie, you've got a lot of experience around this. What what does working together for joint outcomes mean? Well, for me, it's it's about achieving um, better outcomes for children and and the target is that actually we focus on um, what the outcomes are for the children. So young people with SEND um, are treated with respect that, that uh, that's deserved in terms of being ambitious for their achievements. When we talk about being ambitious for students, it's really key. And you'll find that that's in the education inspection framework that we're looking to see that we've got ambition for all students, including students with SEND. When, when we talk about targets, we're referring to them as being smart, and we, we mostly know what that means, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time bound. All professionals involved should commit to the same targets 
that is absolutely key. So Andy's talked about professionals around a child and having a team meeting around a child. If we all commit to the same targets, you're probably going to get there faster. Um, parents and carers of, of children with uh, with special educational needs um, or young people themselves have to be involved in the in the setting of targets. If they have ownership of what their targets are and an understanding, an explicit understanding of what those targets are, they will strive to reach them. So all the networking leads to better cooperation um, and integration between health, education and care departments. It, it can be very, very powerful. I, I yeah, it sounds uh, absolutely supportive in, in all avenues. It's it's that joined up approach again, isn't it? It's excellent. So, Andy, can you tell us why this focus is so vital? Yeah, for me, um, you know, partnership working where we get it right is 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 great, and the reason it's so important is because, in terms of if if SCND provision is only led by a school. Um, then that, you know, the child's in formal school from age four to 16 or four to 18, maybe um, if there's a sixth form setting, but um, the special educational need might become apparent before age four. It might continue beyond age 16. So if it's entirely led by the school um, setting as a standalone body, when that young person then leaves at the end of year 11, um, there's a real danger that they're, they're then not going to have the appropriate care, the support, to make that transition from childhood to adulthood, particularly in terms of health and care. Um, so the code now is very clear that those departments must agree uh, with education, how they're going to work together to provide that personalised, integrated support um, and prepare them for that transition. And, and as you know, the, the EHGPs take the child potentially from birth to 25 and it gives them that legal status, legal protection and entitlement to that support up to the age of 25 that really hopefully then gives them that best secure start to adulthood that they need. Yeah, wonderful. I see that it's working together that's going to be the bedrock approach. Would you agree there, Debbie? Yes, I do agree. Um, the code says that the local authority, which is referred to as the LA, must review the educational training and social care provision, consult with a range of partners, including children and young people with SEND and their parents and carers. It also says that the LA must engage with other partners where appropriate to support these children and young people and their parents in commissioning decisions to give useful insights into how to improve services and outcomes at a strategic level. This is all meant to contribute to future arrangements and the effectiveness of local joint working. I have to say that this can be really, really powerful and impactful. Um, and so, for example, just like Andy, I, I've been in, in meetings, uh, send reviews where there's been a plethora of professionals and attendance has been fantastic. So, for instance, nurses, police, social workers, parents, virtual schools, independent reviewing officers, carers, teachers, um, educational welfare officers, youth offending teams, SENCOs, therapists, psychologists uh, and head teachers, they're all there and I have been in meetings that have been that um, big in terms of the uh, contributions from professionals and, and networks. And, uh, and as you can imagine, the outcomes were smart and who benefits the most? It's the child. 
having that amount of uh, focus must have such an impact and, and it sounds like it works. Do you agree, Andy? Um, I, I do in principle. So I think where where it works well and where we get it right, it can be extremely powerful. Um, you know, Debbie's mentioned before, often a child's special educational needs might span different areas of SEN, but also different areas of life. So it could be, for example, that they've got um, cognitive learning difficulties, but they might also be persistently absent from school. There might be some social care involvement if there are concerns about life at home. Um, there could be some involvement in the criminal justice service. So in, in that situation, having representatives from all those bodies around one table can give a really detailed, thorough picture um, of the child's needs and the family's needs and to get the most appropriate support into place, um, which is brilliant. But it, it just it sounds great in theory. It doesn't always work well in practice, especially uh, in times of funding difficulties, in terms of where teams are really struggling with capacity. Um, there's been times where I thought oh, this is frustrating. There's such a hold up, there's such a backlog waiting for other teams to get things in order that if we could just get on with this as a school ourselves, we'd get to an outcome quicker than trying to involve eight different parties that have all got their own priorities, have all got their own backlogs, their own resourcing issues, their own budget issues. Um, that that can be a challenge. It can really slow things down and make it difficult to coordinate. But on the flip side, where it works, where it happens well, where the teams come together and the, the priorities of that child and getting them the right outcome as fast as possible, then, then it's brilliant. Yeah, it, it seems like it's based on good intentions and, and systems do need to work. And we've seen experience of when that doesn't. Um, and they need to work to make sure that it supports the ideas and strategies. Debbie, what do you think? Um, I, I agree. And, and Andy's made a really important comment there because when it works, it's brilliant. And when it doesn't, it's quite the opposite and quite concerning. So brilliantly summing it up for me, um, are the words of Douglas Silas, and it's from the same SEN magazine uh, that Andy was referring to earlier. My main concern is that we seem to have tried to make massive changes at a time of austerity and funding cuts. It is also quite complicated, as there are still separate sets of regulations and guidance for those working in education, in healthcare, um, and in care. If professionals working in these areas are finding it difficult to know what they should be doing, then what hope is there for parents and children with uh, with uh, special educational needs or even the young people themselves? Some have even said over the past year that it has been like working in chaos and there is now a lot of confusion. Some LAs seem to be managing well, but others seem overloaded. I'm worried that we may again be facing another fragmented system where it will be like a postcode lottery. I think those are very, very telling words. I don't know if you would agree, uh, Andy. I would, and it's um, it feels in places like this, this system that sounded great on paper with very good intentions is, is grinding to a halt a little bit, um, or there's certainly jars in the system. Um, and you know, I was talking to George earlier about um, how quickly 12 months have gone since we recorded a podcast about um, what the what education might look like in 2022. Um, and one of the things we spoke about there was 
um, the government green paper and the white paper and the upcoming changes with send and the idea of one um, digital EHGP plan that can be shared between providers and I think just with um, some of the the backlogs in in government and um, and in Westminster we've not we've not pushed on and made as much progress in those areas as 12 months ago I thought that we would have done I, I thought we'd be sitting here today and we could reflect on how how well some of those things have gone and, and we're still not in a position where they've moved very far forward sadly. Well let's watch this space Andy and, and hope that when we do the podcast at the end of next year that actually we'll see a, a real um, shift change in, in the approaches. It's something definitely that we can keep looking at and monitoring and and Hopefully with uh, experts like yourselves out in the community, you can really champion and keep pushing that message out. Let's hope the focus will be a bit more fruitful. We might even be a bit stronger in a stronger position than we were before, but pragmatism is always married to such endeavours and fully committing to working together is going to be the only way that we really, really, truly get success. Next week, we're actually going to be looking at a podcast on uh, dyslexia and actually focusing in on some great tips just around that area with students with dyslexia. And we've identified that early recognition and support can be instrumental in improving outcomes for children and young people with dyslexia. So we're actually going to focus in and, and start to look at some of the different um, SEND needs. You can pick up our After the Bell podcasts that are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational on your daily commute, on your treadmill or as your focus for the day. Thank you again to my guests, Sandy Bridge and Debbie Davis for joining us and actually sharing some of the uh, discussions around SEND. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you.